0: Well good evening everyone and welcome to Thousand Oaks and the Rams draft room here at the facility with DeMarco Farr I'm JB Long uh, coming off a stinging loss to the Seattle Seahawks and an opportunity to take a two-game lead in the NFC West uh, 24 hours removed DeMarco what are your reflections how are you feeling stinking
1: or stinging loss I think they both apply Either one yeah um it's hard to hate guys like Earl Thomas but you have to I mean that guy played a whale of a game and Uh, the play he made on Todd Gurley that really started the ball rolling in the opposite direction for the Rams when he had the touchback. I mean, Todd was about to score, reached out. Earl Thomas coming across the field just to disrupt his pattern and knock the ball out, force that that touchback. It really hurt the football team. You needed seven points there for momentum's sake. But uh, you fought your way back in it. You had your chances to win the game. You had, you know, how many shots at the end zone at the end? A couple shots at the end zone, or at least one or two. One
0: off the hands of Cooper Cup. another that was uh, a near P.I., just shy of the goal line, which would have set up first and goal with a few seconds remaining.
1: So, I mean, look, um, this is the NFL. It's not always going to go according to plan, and sometimes you're going to have to scramble for victory. So uh, you had shots. um, You had the the turnovers that that made it tough on you, but you you have to give the guys credit both sides uh, for a hard-fought game. And uh, just Seattle made one more play than you did.
0: The Rams are three and two, and here comes the uh, toughest road stretch in the National Football League: to Jacksonville, in London, a bye week, and then back to the East Coast to play New York. And we welcome in the head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay, to the Coach McVay Show here from Thousand Oaks. Uh, A night removed, where are your thoughts at after last night's loss?
2: Yeah, you know it was tough. Uh, We we didn't get it done. There was a handful of opportunities that we did have to to be able to make a you know to have a different outcome to that game. But credit the Seahawks for making enough plays to win that football game. Uh, Wrapped it up today. Learned from it. We've got to make sure that we clean up the mistakes, which there was a handful of them that we do feel like could have changed the outcome of the game. Um, and we'll move forward in a positive manner, getting ready for a great Jacksonville team. Tough
1: loss, right? I mean, you've been yeah. through tough losses before. How long does it take to exercise what you just saw out of your system?
2: Uh, you know, you, you've got to move on quickly because that's what the NFL is. You know, we, we've got to start our preparation for the Jaguars. But to say that I'm completely over that would be lying to you guys. I'm, I'm still sick to my stomach about it. Uh, a lot of things that led to that result. And you always want to look at yourself and figure out what could you have done differently to maybe make it a different feeling. But those are things that I know our players are doing as well, and uh, that's why we've got the right kind of guys in that locker room, and, and we'll move forward in a manner that uh, is kind of indicative of what we feel like we are, and that's a mentally tough team, and, and we can't, we don't have a chance to blink or flinch, and we've got a great Jacksonville team that we got to try to find a way to get to 4-2 moving forward.
0: Motivating factor? Is that another log kind of on the fuel that... F- that, that flames this team?
2: Yeah, I think so. You know, I think and when you really look at the first five weeks of the season, we've gotten a lot of different things that have taken place and a couple games that didn't go our way for a variety of reasons. But the one thing that I think you can put your hand on that's tangible for us is we always talk about it, you know, from a football philosophy standpoint, the number one thing is it's all about the ball. And when you turn the football over five times and uh, take it away too and you, and you lose the turnover battle five to two, you're going to have a tough time winning this game and uh, especially against a great team like that, and, and we can't afford to do those types of things move forward if it, if we expect to win.
1: I respect Earl Thomas, but I can't stand him right now. That guy was all over the field. Yeah, you have he, to give him credit. He's,
2: he's a yeah. great football player. He definitely impacts the game in, in a variety of ways and uh, made a handful of plays that, that ended up being the difference in, in the outcome, and, and credit Earl for making those plays. It's why he's an all-pro player, and he definitely makes a difference, and you feel his presence.
0: He's Coach McFay, DeMarco Farr, and J.B. Long here in Thousand Oaks. They're recapping the loss to Seattle and preparing for a road trip to Jacksonville. The last six quarters that your defense has put together That's been winning football.
2: Absolutely. They did a great job yesterday and uh, obviously that second half in the Dallas game and and that's the type of team that we feel like we are defensively moving forward. I think when you just watch the way they flew around, pursued to the football, uh, you see 99 is is getting back into his rhythm. He looks like that special player uh, that that is a force to be reckoned with. Robert Quinn makes some plays. You look at Alec Ogletree as a blitzer and you look at some of the coverage we were able to play on the back end. I thought John Johnson did a really nice job being able to make a handful of plays. So uh, the defense as a whole definitely did a great job and and that's where you you know you look at it let's figure out a way to find uh you know an opportunity to put all three phases together and then we feel like a lot of good things are to be coming how many times did you hit him russell wilson yesterday there was a lot you know you guys would probably know better than i do but i know that they influenced and impacted him to have to move his spot ended up getting some hits on him but uh, our defense pursued they played you know uh, outstanding effort they were finishing bursting to the football so there was a lot of really good things that showed up on that tape
0: how did you come out on the injury front?
2: We were good. You know, didn't have any injuries from that game, so that's always a blessing, especially coming off a very physical divisional game and uh, being able to go into the Jacksonville game fairly healthy and hopefully getting LaMarcus Joyner back will be a big boost for us. There was
0: a personnel move that you made today. We talked about Mike Thomas last week, and now he is officially on the roster. And Mo Alexander, who was a healthy scratch uh, yesterday, was let go.
2: Yeah, we, we let Mo go, and we wish Mo nothing but the best, enjoyed the little bit of time that I was around Mo, and, um, you know, I, I think... Uh, uh, he'll get another opportunity, and, and we hope that he does well in that new opportunity whenever that comes. But I think when you look at the depth at our safety position, uh, being able to see Wade John played yesterday, got some more opportunities last week against Dallas, anticipating getting LaMarcus back. Cody Davis did some nice things, and then Blake Countess also provides some help. We've had Marquis Christian active. Uh, so there's a handful of reasons that kind of led to what we felt like that was going to be the best move for our team, and um, we'll, we'll, we'll see how these guys do moving forward. We
1: talk. What would have happened had he been helped? throughout training camp with John Johnson. I mean, you saw the way he
2: played. Yeah. No, yeah, He's a, he's a good football player, and I think, you know, the game's starting to slow down for him a little bit. He's getting more comfortable playing in the system, with the calls, the communication that that safety position entails. And um, there's a reason why we felt so good about him coming out of college, and and he's starting to show why. What's
1: sticking in here? You said it's it, it, it's still bothering you. What's sticking in here for you?
2: Uh, you know, just I, I think the things where you really feel like you beat yourself, you know, turning the football over, controllable mistakes. And, and again, I, we don't make any excuses, Marco, mm-hmm. Seattle for some of those bad plays, but I think when we just talk about some of those things that are preventable, you know, you look at trying to go with the safe play, we end up turning the football over on a screen where you're really playing more for the field goal. There, uh, you know, you look at the first drive of the game, we go down the field, and then it leads to a touchback, uh, uncharacteristic turnover on special teams, uncharacteristic miss by the field goal unit. So there's a lot of things, but ultimately, you know, you just think about some of the decisions that that you make as a coach. That could have maybe changed the outcome, things that I could control, whether it be play selection or decisions we made with some of the other phases. And and those are things that will always stick. But we ask everybody to be accountable, and I think it starts with me. And and if we do that, then I think we'll give ourselves a chance to grow from uh, the losses and the adversity that we face together. All told, the Rams are 3-2. and two. They still
0: are atop the division, tied with Seattle as they prepare to hit the road. We won't see them at the Coliseum again until Week 10 against Houston. We'll take our first break here on the Coach McVay Show when we continue. Your questions in a segment we call audibles and the latest from the Rams and their personnel moves as we continue from Thousand Oaks here on ESPN LA. I can hear Demarco Far's reaction there. <laughs> I think the uh, the high step,
1: yeah, is probably
0: what drew that. From How you. he
1: set that up. I mean, you just don't see that against them. A guy that can high step like that and then sprint to the end zone untouched. Yeah, right. No, yeah. It was a
2: great run. A little false acceleration on Cam right there. Thought it was a great block by Gerald Everett on the perimeter as well. And. Um, you know, really up front, they did a good job at targeting it. You look at Jamon Brown gets through and makes a touchdown block on Earl Thomas. So there was a lot of good things that took place, but but Tavon did a great job being able to finish that one off.
0: That was a running play. You also targeted him a season high in the passing game. Was, was it about the matchup with Seattle that made you think that number 11 was going to be able to do some damage? Well, I think
2: he's a guy we want to continue to get more involved. Uh, you know, you look at that touchdown run and, and what he's done with the ball in his hands and some of the different things that he can do. Uh, where he might not be the focal point of it, but what he's given is the illusion he's been a big part of a lot of the big plays we've had in this offense, and uh, that's why you want to try to get him more involved, and and, the, and that's kind of the approach there.
0: So that was a Tavon good. Unfortunately, there was some Tavon bad as well, another muff punt and a lost possession there, and it seems like you've made the decision to give him a rest uh, in that regard.
2: Yeah, we'll give him a break right now. You know, I think any time that you're fielding punts, he's caught him consistently throughout the course of his career, but a little bit, he's in a little bit of a funk right now, and that's something that he'll look at. He'll work towards just continuing to improve in practice, uh, getting that wrist where the flexibility and mobility is back and uh, kind of get that out of his head. And, and we'll let Farrell Cooper and Cooper Cup kind of get some get some work as a punt returner, and Tavon will continue to be a big part of our offense moving I would hope, forward.
1: I'm sorry, I would hope as a player and as a teammate that he would understand that move. Yeah, oh, not yeah, call it a demotion. No,
2: yeah. no, he's, he looks at it, he understands it, and, and he knows that he's not playing up to the, the standards that he has for himself and that we have for him as a punt returner. That being said, he's still going to be a very important part of, of our team and, and some of the things that we hope to accomplish moving forward for the rest of the year, and, and I know uh, he'll handle that like a pro and, and continue to just to work and take it one day at a time, and, and that's the exact response that we got from Tavon when we talked to him about it.
0: Sean McVay here on the Coach McVay Show, DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long on ESPN LA 710. Let's talk some defense. That Seattle group had 910 yards in their previous two games. They were the leading the NFL in the last two weeks. You held them to 241, 16 points, a couple of turnovers. Uh, that, that must have felt good to generate some changes of possession against Russell Wilson who I think has one of the top two or three touchdown to interception ratios in all of football
2: yeah no they, they did a great job you know you look at John Johnson's interception got his hands on a couple other balls where he's making some breakups down the field uh, Cody Davis makes the pick on the uh, trick play that they ran and uh, you watch the way that our guys were pursuing up front Alec Ogletree affected the quarterback in a variety of ways as a blitzer uh, you look at Mark Barron later on in the third down stop where he comes up and, and give, makes a big hit on Jimmy Graham to stop his momentum, but there were so many different things that took place uh, throughout the course of the game where guys showed up. Nikhil Roby, what a great competitor he is. Uh, so you could go on and on about the defensive effort, and uh, it's, it's a shame we didn't come away with the win with the way those guys played.
1: I'm always impressed with your front. Aaron Donald, Michael Brock is where they're playing, linebackers too, but I'm more impressed with the secondary because you continue to roll guys through and there's no drop-off. There is no weak link, no matter who's out there.
2: Yeah, no, and I think that's a real credit. You look at Aubrey Pleasant and Jero Evero, our secondary coaches, I think they've done a great job developing that depth. Guys are buying into the techniques, the fundamentals, understanding the nuances of the coverages that we're trying to play on the back end. And when you've got a variety of guys that are ready to go, uh, whether it's just being able because of the depth or because of some injuries, uh, it's kind of been that next man up mentality. And and because of that depth that those guys have been able to develop in that room, guys have been ready to step up when, when their numbers called. And that's what we saw yesterday. Today.
0: With the scheme transition year to year, I think there was some question as to how Matt Longacre would even fit <laughs> in to this roster. And with uh, some Pro Bowl pass rushers on your defense – lo and behold after five weeks he has the sack lead for the Rams how did he do it
2: well he does it because he plays good productive football he's efficient down in and down out and he just plays what he plays what he's supposed to you know he plays how he's supposed to play and I think you know because he might not have the dynamic pass rush set that jumps off the board at you uh, you have a tendency to maybe take him for granted but this guy's got a a repertoire of moves Uh, he's got a great ability to be able to work edges uh, use his hands he's got counters when guys try to set him accordingly and you <laughs> Uh, you you really notice him as soon as you get here. He's always influencing and affecting the quarterback in OTAs and the preseason and training camp, and now it's starting to show up in the regular season games. And that's a credit to Matt.
1: I, I know you talk to Jared Goff. How much do you talk to Alec Ogletree, the co- the quarterback of the defense?
2: Yeah, I think you try to talk to your players a whole lot, and I, and especially those leaders, those veteran leaders like Alec is one of our guys on defense, and uh, talk to him a whole lot. I, I I think he's done a great job leading. Want to just make sure those guys feel good about the things that are going on, but also want to take their input with the way that we operate the way that we handle uh both the adversity and some of the good things that take place throughout the course of the week or before during and after games so he's a guy that that a regular dialogue takes place between myself and Alec
1: I just wonder how much facing you in practice is helping them and him in games
2: well, I think really, you know, being able to just go against each other mostly throughout the course of the off-season program and then really into training camp has been instrumental where we can kind of talk, get a back and forth understanding of what they're thinking, uh, how he can process some of the things offensively. And then once you get into the regular season, with the exception of a couple competitive periods here and there, it's mostly exclusive to getting ready for the upcoming opponent. So, that time is limited once you get into the regular season just because of how you need to approach your weekly preparation for the upcoming opponent. Opponent. but i think it also helps because you can be a little bit more involved uh in the defense as far as knowing what some of those calls what's going on uh, and like people like to joke i don't feel like i have to go sit over to the cooler during those periods
0: <laughs> the cameras i guess uh, caught you on that one yeah, huh and that's I guess that's, just, so. that's just your approach and uh, it shows how much you trust wade
2: that's right that's yeah. exactly right and i think that's what uh, i think we feel like that's what's best for our team is is to be able to you know empower those guys that right. have shown they deserve that and and uh it's a it's a blessing for us to be able to have wade you
1: got headset on
2: right there you go i do
0: (laughs) two more segments left to go on this edition of the coach mcfay show audibles is next we've got questions about sammy watkins todd Gurley, and red zone and then we'll turn our attention to the jaguars can you ever imagine only calling one pass play an entire second half
2: how about that it means you're in a good position to win right good for (laughs) nate hackett and his patience
0: (laughs) (laughs) all that is still to come tonight from thousand oaks on espn la I can hear Demarco Far's reaction there. I think the uh, the high step,
1: yeah, is probably what drew that. From How you. he set that up. I mean, you just don't see that against them. A guy that can high step like that and then sprint to the end zone untouched. Yeah, right. No, yeah. It was a
2: great run. A little false acceleration on Cam right there. Thought it was a great block by Gerald Everett on the perimeter as well. And. Um, you know, really up front they did a good job at targeting it. You look at Jamon Brown gets through and makes a touchdown block on Earl Thomas. So there was a lot of good things that took place, but but Tavon did a great job being able to finish that one off.
0: That was a running play. You also targeted him a season high in the passing game. Was, was it about the matchup with Seattle that made you think that number 11 was going to be able to do some damage?
2: Well, I think he's a guy we want to continue to get more involved. Uh, you know, you look at that touchdown run and, and what he's done with the ball in his hands and some of the different things that he can do. Uh, where he might not be the focal point of it but what he's given is the illusion he's been a big part of a lot of the big plays we've had in this offense and uh, that's why you want to try to get him more involved and, and and that's kind of the approach there.
0: So that was a Tavon good unfortunately there was some Tavon bad as well another muff punt and a lost possession there and it seems like you've made the decision to give him a rest uh, in that regard.
2: Yeah we'll give him a break right now you know I think anytime that you're fielding punts he's caught him consistently throughout the course of his career but a little bit he's in a little bit of a funk right now and that's something that he'll look at he'll work towards just continuing to improve in practice, uh, getting that wrist where the flexibility and mobility is back and kind of get that out of his head, and and we'll let Farrell Cooper and Cooper Cup kind of get some work as a punt returner, and and Tavon will continue to be a big part of our offense moving forward.
1: I'm sorry, I would hope as a player and as a teammate that he would understand that move. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Call it a demotion.
2: No, no. Yeah. He's he looks at it. He understands it, and and he knows that he's not playing up to the the standards that he has for himself, and that we have for him as a punt returner. That being said, he's still going to be a very important part of of our team, and and some of the things that we hope to accomplish moving forward for the rest of the year. And and I know uh, he'll handle that like a pro, and and continue to just to work and take it one day at a time. and, and that's the exact response that we got from Tavon when we talked to him about it.
0: Sean McVay here on the Coach McVay Show. DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long on ESPN LA 710. Let's talk some defense. That Seattle group had 910 yards in their previous two games. They were the leading the NFL in the last two weeks. You held them to 241, 16 points, a couple of turnovers. Uh, that, that must have felt good to generate some changes of possession against Russell Wilson who I think has one of the top two or three touchdown to interception ratios in all of football
2: Yeah, no, they, they did a great job. You know, you look at John Johnson's interception, got his hands on a couple other balls where he's making some breakups down the field. Uh, Cody Davis makes the pick on the uh, trick play that they ran and uh, you watch the way that our guys were pursuing up front. Alec Ogletree affected the quarterback in a variety of ways as a blitzer. Uh, you look at Mark Barron later on in the third down stop where he comes up and, and give, makes a big hit on Jimmy Graham to stop his momentum, but there were so many different things that took place uh, throughout the course of the game where guys showed up. Nikhil Roby, what a great competitor he is. Uh, so you could go on and on about the defensive effort, and uh, it's, it's a shame we didn't come away with the win with the way those guys played.
1: I'm always impressed with your front. Aaron Donald, Michael Brock is where they're playing, linebackers too, but I'm more impressed with the secondary because you continue to roll guys through and there's no drop-off. There is no weak link, no matter who's out there.
2: Yeah, no, and I think that's a real credit. You look at Aubrey Pleasant and Jero Evero, our secondary coaches, I think they've done a great job developing that depth. Guys are buying into the techniques, the fundamentals, understanding the nuances of the coverages that we're trying to play on the back end. And when you've got a variety of guys that are ready to go, uh, whether it's just being able because of the depth or because of some injuries, uh, it's kind of been that next man up mentality. And and because of that depth that those guys have been able to develop in that room, guys have been ready to step up when, when their numbers called, and that's what we saw yesterday today.
0: With the scheme transition year to year, I think there was some question as to how Matt Longacre would even fit in <laughs> to this roster. And with uh, some Pro Bowl pass rushers on your defense, Lo and behold, after five weeks, he has the sack lead for the Rams. How did he do it?
2: Well, he does it because he plays good, productive football. He's efficient down in and down out, and he just plays what he's he's supposed to, you know, he plays how he's supposed to play. And I think, you know, because he might not have the dynamic pass rush set that jumps off the board at you, uh, you have a tendency to maybe take him for granted. But this guy's got a a repertoire of moves. Uh, He's got a great ability to be able to work edges, uh, use his hands. He's got counters when guys try to set him accordingly, and uh, you you really notice him as soon as you get here. He's always influencing and affecting the quarterback in OTAs, and the preseason, and training camp, and now it's starting to show up in the regular season games, and that's a credit to Matt.
1: I, I know you talk to Jared Goff. How much do you talk to Alec Ogletree, the co- the quarterback of the defense?
2: Yeah, I think you try to talk to your players a whole lot, and, I, and especially those leaders, those veteran leaders like Alec is, one of our guys on defense, and uh, talk to him a whole lot. I, I, I think he's done a great job leading. Want to just make sure those guys feel good about the things that are going on but you also want to take their input with the way that we operate, the way that we handle uh, both the adversity and some of the good things that take place throughout the course of the week or before, during, and after games. So he's a guy that, that a regular dialogue takes place between myself and Alec.
1: I just wonder how much facing you in practice is helping them and him in games.
2: Well, I think really, you know, being able to just go against each other mostly throughout the course of the offseason program and then really into training camp has been instrumental where we can kind of talk, get a back and forth understanding of what they're thinking, uh, how he can process some of the things offensively. And then once you get into the regular season, with the exception of a couple competitive periods here and there, it's mostly exclusive to getting ready for the upcoming opponent. So that time is limited once you get into the regular season just because of how you need to approach your weekly preparation for the upcoming opponent. It. But I think it also helps because you can be a little bit more involved uh, in the defense, as far as knowing what some of those calls, what's going on, uh, and like people like to joke, I don't feel like I have to go sit over to the cooler during those periods.
0: <laughs> the cameras, I guess, uh, caught you on that one, yeah, huh? and that's, guess that's, so. that's just your approach, and uh, it shows how much you trust Wade.
2: That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. And I think that's what uh, I think we feel like that's what's best for our team is is to be able to you know empower those guys that right. have shown they deserve that, and and uh, it's a it's a blessing for us to be able to have Wade. You
1: got headset on right there
2: you go I do
0: (laughs) two more segments left to go on this edition of the coach McFay show audibles is next we've got questions about Sammy Watkins Todd Gurley and red zone and then we'll turn our attention to the Jaguars can you ever imagine only calling one pass play an entire second half how about
2: that it means you're in a good position to win right good for Nate Hackett and his (laughs) (laughs) patience
0: all that is still to come tonight from Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA Wilson pumps, he throws right side, it's picked, John Johnson third, at the 30, at the 40, midfield, Wilson with an angle, McKissick pursuing, he hits the brakes, comes back inside, gets a block, and he's tackled at the 19-yard line. The rookie making his first start has separated two footballs, and now he gets an interception. As we said, there making his first start, John Johnson the uh, third, helping to change the game defensively. At what point during the week do you communicate, you know, a move or an expectation like that to him so that he can mentally prepare for being the first out there at the Coliseum?
2: Well, I think really, you know, you look at the Dallas game. He got a, a handful of opportunities. He ends up being a big part of that tackle to secure the win, you right. know, on fourth down against Zeke the week before, and and he played some more snaps. And then the way that he played uh, gave the coaching staff a lot of confidence that he could step in and, and play an even bigger role. So he knew at the beginning of the week after that that Dallas performance that he had, that uh, he was going to be a starter and, and be playing in a lot of those situations, and I thought he answered the bell. All
0: right, let's jump into audibles. It's your direct line to the head coach on social media. You can ask questions. Uh, we have a few from Twitter, from Instagram tonight, and let's start with Calvin Ward who kind of sets the stage with, uh, you know, we haven't had a chance to speak to you after a loss. We had less on the sure. short week uh, after the Washington game. So I think Calvin wants to know just how do you take a loss, how much does it sting personally, and how late do you stay up watching tape of a loss?
2: You know, in terms of staying up late and watching a tape, you know, you try to put it away as quickly as you can. Uh, I don't know if you ever get over the losses. You have to move on from the losses, but to get over it, there's still things from that Washington game you're not over. But I think if you're going to talk to your team about being mentally tough, resilient, moving forward, not flinching or blinking, you've got to be able to do that yourself. But uh, the amount of work that we put in to try to accomplish a result in a three-hour window is pretty unbelievable when you think about that. Uh, And then when a couple plays here and there, a couple inches make the difference in whether you win or lose. Uh, That's what makes this game so special is that uh, one team, unless you tie, is absolutely miserable and the other, there's a pure joy and excitement that is what makes this so, uh, such a special game. That feeling in the locker room after accomplishing the goal together uh, being able to get those wins. So uh, the goal is Let's work as hard as we possibly can after not having that feeling to find a way to get it as soon as we possibly can. And and that's going to be our goal moving into this Jacksonville game.
1: I bet there's a joy in successful bank robberies. We got away with one. Yeah. (laughs) You know, maybe. Just the way you think. Just saying. Uh, You're putting yourself in some Seattle shoes. Just saying. You know. uh, I know you, Demarco. Five takeaways, and you know they still had shots at our end zone.
0: Okay. (laughs) Anyway, to Instagram next, Thomas Rodriguez. Uh, Many fans want Sammy Watkins targeted more. Is it that he's being covered, or is it that he's giving up on routes like we saw yesterday?
2: Uh, No. I. You know, in terms of being covered, I think I'll go back to it. Certain plays we call to get him the football. There was a couple opportunities yesterday that we have that uh, it didn't work out for a couple different reasons, and. Uh, then there's also some times where we might have a certain play called where he's the primary and we get a different coverage, and that dictates where the ball's going to go elsewhere. But Sammy's a guy that, starting with me, we've got to figure out a way to try to get him involved in games and get him going, uh, but everybody has a contribution in that. And the thing that you appreciate about Sammy is that while he's a guy that certainly wants to get involved, responds the right way, uh, and looking forward to him having a good week, and, and we're going to try to get him more involved moving into the Jacksonville game.
0: As a follow-up to that, Brad Mader asks, thoughts on Sammy reaching out on social media to express his frustrations last night. Yeah,
2: you know, I think I had a great conversation with Sammy. I think a lot of it was in response to some other things that were said to him. Talked to Sammy uh, just like you would expect in my experiences with him. uh, Took full accountability, handled it the right way, expect him to move forward in a manner that's going to be indicative of what we're going to be as a team, and he's just going to go about his work, try to play the best that he can, snap in and snap out. And I think what the tendency is, especially when you're not really involved on the ins and outs and what's going on is had to have that outside-in approach where it's just, all right. let's just look at the numbers as opposed to, what's he putting on tape? Is he getting open? Are there some opportunities that we might have missed where he's doing what he can control as a receiver? And I can really appreciate that there were some times, yes, that's the case, and there's also some times where Sammy will be the first to tell you, I can be better than I was. And and everybody has a part in that. It's not just exclusive to Sammy, but what you like more than anything, JB and DeMarco, is the way that he responded and, and Handle that conversation that I was able to have with him today.
0: And as a receiver yourself back in your day, you can probably relate to the fact that that's a frustrating position to play because it takes a couple of decisions to even give you a chance, right? The coordinator and then the quarterback.
2: Absolutely, and it's tough. And then that's where that receiver position to get into the flow of the game and different things like that uh, is important. And those are things that you have to look at yourself as a coach. Uh, How can we find a way to get certain guys' touches, get them into the flow of the game right away? And that's where you look at it, and that responsibility lies more on me than anyone else.
0: All right, to Twitter next. Eric Ramos uh, wants to know about the situation in the red zone offense. Early in the year... Jared Goff was nearly flawless uh, in the twenty and inside. What's kind of changed here recently?
2: Well, I think specifically when you look at yesterday and, and you just see the zero for four. Well, how do you get to that point? And you look at the first possession, we fumble through the back of the end zone when we get down in there. Then you look at the second possession, and and we end up getting it because of John Johnson's interception return. We go with a run for two yards on the first play on the kind of a, the end around with Tavon. Then we go incomplete second down, and then on the third down play we get a man cover. We had a chance to maybe work something, but we go incomplete there. So good defense in the high red zone area. Third third possession that we had, I want to say we go incomplete to Tavon, where he's on Sherman on the right sideline. Then we go a second down negative run. And then the third down, we get a man coverage and take a shot one-on-one with Gerald Everett and, and Cam Chancellor, uh, and they did a nice job being able to play good defense right there. And then to me, the fourth possession was the one that really ended up hurting us. Todd makes a good run to get down inside the 15-yard line, and on the first play, we go with kind of a run-action boot, and Todd and T- and Jared get tri- tripped up on each other. Now you're in a 10-yard loss. You go with the second down play where we go incomplete, and then we try to throw the screen just to really take the points on a third and 20. That ends up leaving. Into a turnover. So certainly don't make any excuses. We've got to do a better job of being efficient and converting in those situations. But I think that's also where each play kind of has its own story for why it did or didn't work out uh, the bottom line is we got to find a way to punch it in and come away with touchdowns like we were earlier on in the season.
0: Uh, Rex on Twitter wants to talk about Todd Gurley's uh, lack of involvement yesterday and it really wasn't in terms of play cl- count. I went and looked and it was pretty much on par with what he's been out there. I know we talked about limiting his pitch count and yeah. keeping some tread on the tires uh, maybe just not the touches that we've become accustomed to. Yeah,
2: I think you know you look at some of the ways they were playing the run and we felt good about the way we were protecting and throwing the football and getting some of the looks that we wanted in the past game, so we threw it a little bit more in those situations. And then in a lot of instances where Malcolm Brown came in to spell him that he hasn't in the previous games, Todd's in there making those couple third down catches where now he is a little bit more involved. Maybe didn't get quite the carries, but I think that was more of a result of the way that the game flowed and what we felt like was going to be the best way to move the football at the time and how we were protecting, how we were getting open. Uh, So that's kind of more the result as opposed to going away from Todd. uh, More just about, you know, what we felt was going to be the best way to move the football, and then Malcolm being able to spell him as he's getting healthier from his ha- uh, hamstring.
1: I'm not sure if we covered it. That, what was the information you got back from – your field goal kicker, your place kicker, about the miss.
2: Uh, you know, I th- it was just a miss hit, you yeah. know. And, okay. and I think, you know, he's been so consistent that you kind of almost take for granted how good he's been because you just assume, all right, here we go, to field goal, here's the automatic three. But uh, there's a lot of things that are involved in that. And uh, the, the one thing that you love and appreciate about Greg, like the rest of our players, anytime things don't go our way, takes accountability. We expect them to move on and bounce back in the right way.
0: There are the two leading scores in the NFL going into last week, Greg Zerline and Todd Gurley. Wow. Suffice it to say the Seahawks... Have- identified Gurley as an MVP candidate that wasn't lost on them yeah
2: no they they, they, they you know he's going to get that attention but he's gotten it throughout the course of the year and and we've got to creatively find ways to get the ball in his hands and and we'll continue to do that moving into Jacksonville
0: uh, this is the coach McVay show live from the Rams facility in Thousand Oaks good luck with this next one coach from Instagram Tom uh, wants to know can you explain why a fumble off the pylon goes to the defensive team as a touchback so regardless of whether or not the right call was made do you agree with the rule on the whole,
2: uh, well, uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and keep my mouth shut on that one. <laughs> uh, you know, if if I was Pete Carroll, I'm sure I agree with the rule. In, yeah. in, in our situation, not sure how I feel about it right now.
0: Uh, but it is something that you do teach. Technically, ball carriers going into the goal line, going into a pylon, you work on that and what to do and whatnot.
2: Absolutely, we we talk about it all the time, and and I think each uh, opportunity, whether good or bad, provides a learning experience. and And I know that's something that we used as a as an educational moment for our team to hopefully avoid these types of things moving forward. Uh, you really use the league as a whole because there's a lot of examples of whether you go through, whether you reach it out based on where that pursuit is. Because you look at earlier in the year against San Francisco. He bounces one similar out to the left. Nobody's in close pursuit. He's able to reach it over for a safe situation. That right there, we're running a perimeter toss crack play. Here comes Earl pursuing inside out as a middle safety. The decision is going to be to either go through him or give our best effort and then take a first and goal from the one uh, if we get those moving forward. And Todd will do that, and we all know that. And, and those are something that the, that's a situation we'll be better from moving forward.
0: Uh, Cameron on Instagram wants to talk about kind of what are the rules or best practices. With respect to using your timeout and the two-minute warning, how to maximize the time left for your offense when you do take over?
2: Yeah, no, it's a great question, and I think uh, those timeouts are so precious. You would prefer to never have to use them until those two-minute situations at the end. And then you've also got to take into account the time of play. You know, really, you probably wouldn't have used that one that we did, uh, just taking into account the time of play that takes place. A lot of times you're trying to save, you know, those 30, 40 seconds that take place with the play clock, knowing that you also want to utilize the two-minute stoppage but if you feel like it's going to get down to the two-minute regardless of whether you use it or not you want to probably save that one and and that's something that taking that into account uh, we would probably do different moving forward
0: last one i assume this is inspired by the fact that your team is off to jacksonville florida james terry which uh, member of your team would be the most excited for a surprise field trip to a water park
2: (laughs) that is a great question uh i i would probably have to say wade phillips no, I'm just kidding. No, I, I, you know what? I, I have no idea. Probably somebody that that doesn't get the luxury of living in this nice weather out here or in Florida, maybe that uh, is from the north. I don't know.
0: But suffice it to say, that's not built into the plan for it's the not Jacksonville built. week. This is yeah. a
2: business trip. We're going to be staying in a nice place close to the beach, so they'll be able to see that. But it's uh, it's a great challenge. We will not be making any trips to a water park.
1: Cody Davis, right? That's a good one. Yeah. I Old can see brother?
2: that. Yeah, yeah. I can see go. that.
0: Yeah. All right, let's preview those Jags next. Final segment of the Coach McFay Show coming up on ESPN LA. <laughs> They're the new front runners in the AFC South, an impressive win over Pittsburgh. Uh, and what a difference a week-to-week in terms of the challenge that you might see defensively, going from Russell Wilson, who kind of carried his team on his shoulders, to the Jaguars that only let Blake Bortles throw it 14 times and just once in the second half. They rode their running back, Leonard Fournette, and he's an impressive one, Coach.
2: He is, and, and you know you look at just evaluating him, going back to LSU, he's a big-time back. Uh, haven't had a chance to really, you know, you've seen what he's done throughout the year, really on the highlights and things like that. Now we'll start to dive into really uh, the tape and, and seeing what he's put on tape week in and week out. but. Seems like he's delivered on on where they drafted him, why he's a special player, and uh, their defense is playing excellent, and and they're playing a winning formula, which is really what's important, and and that's a credit to them to be able to get it done against a great Pittsburgh Steelers team yesterday.
1: What were your, your past thoughts on Bortles when you watched him play?
2: You know what? I, I think the past, your past thoughts on Borders haven't had a chance to really evaluate him. No, know he's a great competitor. I've uh, spoken. You know, We've got Greg Olson on our staff and you look at the year where he throws for 30 plus touchdowns and makes a lot of plays, gets a lot of guys involved a couple years back. But in terms of being able to evaluate him last year, wasn't involved in really a lot of crossover games. But really going back to just seeing him play at Central Florida, uh, I thought he was a great competitor. Did a lot of good things. You were able to evaluate him in a pro style system just playing under George O'Leary. And I think that's why You make him a top-tier pick, and uh, it seems like he's got a great leadership uh, way about how he deals with his teammates, and the guys respond to him.
0: We've all been impressed by how quickly your individuals and your units addressed issues and and kind of get better, correct problems week to week. So coming off a turnover-played game, now you get to see a defense that has forced 15 of them. Uh, in five weeks, no better test, right? To see What change you can make?
2: What a great opportunity for us to respond, and, and that's what it is. And uh, each adversity, we, you know, we talk about it. A setback is a setup for a comeback, and and that's the way that our players are look at it. And and we've got to do a great job of having a great week of preparation, uh, especially offensively. Uh, we look at the special teams. You know, really, you got four turnovers offensively. You got one on the special teams. Those are things that you can't do. Other than points, there's no greater indicator of winning and losing football games in this league than turnovers, and when You're down uh, three, five to two. You lose the turnover battle minus three. It's going to be tough sledding for you. Uh, You play golf? Uh, Not really. Okay. uh,
1: JB, golf? Not well. Your your most important shot is the one after your your next shot, especially after a bad shot. So how do you avoid getting too tight after what just happened on Sunday, getting ready for the next Sunday.
2: Yeah, just trusting your your approach and your your preparation and hopefully that leading to good performance. You know, we're big uh, process over results. We're big as long as you trust the process. We're hopeful and optimistic that the results will come in due time. Uh, But you you stay uh, cognizant of what's important, what guides us each and every day. Uh, And that's our weekly, our daily, our hourly rhythm that's focused on that daily improvement and daily excellence. and, And that's how we really define our process.
0: We won't have a chance to have this conversation next week, so just kind of give us a sense for the road trip ahead of you and how you've mapped that out, why you decided to stay in Jacksonville for some practice time and kind of what all goes into that week.
2: Yeah, you know, really, I think when you look at it from a long-term perspective, we want to get out to Jacksonville, it's going to be a two-day trip regardless, and then we also looked at it, uh being able to play in London after that as an opportunity to continue to grow Bond as a team, but then also be mindful of, let's try to get adjusted to an East Coast time zone as quickly as possible, knowing that we want to travel on that Thursday, instead of having to say, alright, we're going to go play Jacksonville, come back, get back late Sunday night, then... Do you go to London for a week? Do you go for a few days? We felt like being able to stay in Jacksonville, get the majority of our preparation for that Arizona game done there while not having to travel again, was going to be the best ways for our players to adjust. All right, and then we'll get a chance to have a nice bye where they'll be back with their families, reconnect with them. And, and really, when you have those two trips uh, consecutively like that, I think it kind of offers another unique opportunity to continue to connect as a team, being away. Uh, and that's kind of what the intent, what the goal is.
1: I always thought it was cool practicing on foreign soil. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of cool, right? It'll, yeah.
2: It'll be fun, you know, and, and it'll be a great opportunity for us to go out to Jacksonville, try to come away with a win, get a little bit of preparation leading into that Arizona game in London, and then go compete there?
0: You have a couple of road wins already. You're going to travel the most miles of any NFL team. Uh, do you have to kind of preach a road warrior mindset? Is that something that the guys can rally around here in this next month?
2: Well, I think when you look at it that we're 2-0 and on the road, that's definitely something that you can draw on. But I think it's just about finding a way to get ready for this next opponent. It happens to be on the road, and let's go take advantage of it. And you know they're going to have a great atmosphere in Jacksonville. Uh, we know the London crowd will be excellent and excited for that game between us and the Cardinals. But, but right now it's just going to be about embracing whatever the opportunity that we have in front of us, whether that be a road or a home game. Game and and it's our next game, so it's the most important one.
1: He still looks good. See, haircut, beard, whole nine. Passport's ready to go. Passport, ready, everything. Ready go. Look at you. There's so many logistics, yeah. and I wish every, I wish
2: everyone
0: in our audience could get a sense of how many people here in this building work day in and day out on making all those things run smoothly.
2: It's amazing. You know. You look at Bruce Warwick and, and what a great job he's done, kind of getting everything coordinated. Billy Nays, uh, those guys that don't get a lot of credit are, are invaluable in terms of making it operate and run smoothly uh, week in and week out, and very thankful to have those guys. I
1: tell people like that, that don't know, stay out of Bruce's way. When he has that look on his face, just kind of move out of the way and do his job. He's a
2: stud. He gets it done.
1: (laughs) Uh, Final thoughts this week, Sean,
0: as we just kind of prepare to hit the road and and you got a couple of days with this team getting ready for Jacksonville, uh, just kind of what would the most important takeaways be as we prepare for the Jacks?
2: Well, I think the most important takeaways are is is let's continue to do some of the things we've done good uh, in these last few weeks and then let's learn from our mistakes. Guys, we'll do that. Let's prepare to the best of our ability and let's see if we can find a way to put all three phases uh, collectively together. And play winning football, and see if we, we if we can come away with the result against a great team in the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well,
0: thanks for your time tonight. We sure do appreciate it. Coming up next on ESPN LA 710, we got Trojan Talk. They're coming off a win over Oregon State, and now they got a chance to take on uh, Utah. Right now, the Trojans in the driver's seat in that Pac-12 South and still looking to uh, build their ranking after that uh, single loss. All right, so that'll do it for us, uh, DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long here in Thousand Oaks. Uh, You'll have Rams All Access with Travis Rogers coming up on Thursday. I'll have it. Yes. Because jb I have, i'm on assignment he's on assignment on again on assignment that's all right, right. Our, our thanks to coach McFay and to all of those of you listening uh, on espn la 710 and online at espn los enjoy trojan talk and have a great week ahead